0: UK
1: Tech Weekly
2: Podcast. Hello and welcome to the UK Tech Weekly Podcast. I am joined today by the editor of Macworld, Karen Haslam. Hi. And group production editor at Computer World, Tamlin McGee. Hello. We're going to be diving into three meaty tech topics this day, uh, today from three of the biggest tech companies on the planet. We're going to be talking about Apple's latest financial results. Uh, we're going to be talking about Amazon and their ongoing success, but at what cost? And then I'm going to do a roundup of the Google Cloud Next conference from San Francisco that I was away at last week. Hashtag humblebrag. So let's crack on. Karen, Apple results. uh, Blockbuster, as always. Um, But I believe their last few results have been met with muted reaction, but this one uh, finally seems to have actually appeased Wall Street.
1: Well, um, it's actually Apple's, traditionally, Apple's slowest quarter, so, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, summer they've a long time since that they last up updated the iphone and yeah. we haven't heard a lot really other than we've had the uh, macbook pro yeah, MacBook very pro. recently but that came in at the end of the quarter so you don't expect a lot from this quarter um in the past everyone's always been sort of making these great brand predictions for iphone sales there was a lot of Throughout the beginning of this year, it was all this sort of fear of, like, the iPhone X isn't selling. And mm-hmm. then in the last financial results prior to this one, um, Tim Cook sort of went on record saying that they were outselling all the other iPhones every every single week. Um, and these these results kind of bear that as well. So what we saw was um, revenue up 17% year-on-year, year, which was exceeding analysts' uh, expectations, as well as Apple's own predictions they made at the yeah. end of the last quarter. Um, it's interesting actually because this news has come off the back of the uh, Facebook, Netflix um, Google and Amazon results, not, you know they've had their results but they've also seen a a big decline in, yes. in their share price at the moment so it's, it's it's kind of good that Apple's now sort of popping everyone up a bit yeah. um, and Apple's nearing its 1 billion no, 1 trillion, One trillion. market cap so um, they their stock has already hit one hundred ninety nine dollars today, and once it hits that 203 hundred and three dollar mark, then it will be that sort of first one trillion dollar company. So yeah, I think it's quite when, exciting times.
2: Yeah, when they announced the results, I think they were fifteen billion short. Which yeah. I mean, it's still fifteen billion dollars, yeah. but in their sort of in their world, that's quite a makeable target.
1: When I when I looked at about three o'clock, they were one hundred ninety million 190 190 dollars uh, mm. a share so you know it's it's looking good for apple right now um the iphone sales were slightly below analyst estimates so analysts, analysts were looking at forty one point nine, forty 41.79 million and apple sold 41.3 million iPhones okay. um which is still a 20% increase year on year yeah um, the, the the real story here is that Apple's making more money from the sale of each iPhone, which is part of the whole iPhone 10 story. So a lot yeah. of the criticism of the iPhone 10 was it's too expensive, but what's actually happening is Apple's making more money per iPhone sale. Therefore, they're making more revenue. Yeah, and that's you know.
2: Well, I saw the thing that they're actually by units they're selling one percent more than they were last year. But obviously, these are much more expensive phones, so the revenue is up 20%. Exactly,
1: basically. Um, so that's... that 1%
2: increase is, is actually equates to it a It translates to a lot, yeah.
1: lot more money, yeah. Um, yeah.
2: And this is, comes at a time when, as you sort of hinted at earlier, you'd expect the sales of this phone to be slowing down because it's yeah. coming to the end of its sort of hype, hype cycle and you maybe expect like a new one in September or maybe at Christmas time. Um, or there was a lot of rumours that they were going to drop the price by about 30% Um, so maybe maybe not if the sales are doing this well at this late on
1: yeah it wouldn't be Apple to to drop the price anyway I don't think um the uh, One of the interesting things Tim Cook mentioned in the conference called Analysts was um, a lot of people always sort of look at the iPhone, they look at Apple, they say they're too dependent on the iPhone. The success of the iPhone is going to give at some point. Mm-hmm. And what Tim said during the uh, conference call is that the smartphone market is such a good one to be in, um, that even if it grows 1% to 2%, 5%, 10% or it shrinks, it's still a huge market. So I think that's that's an interesting sort of perspective also though services has become such a big part of apple's business and that's all off the back of the sort of um uh the market that they've grown with the iphone it's like being able to make money off of those people yeah um so you know the services um market i think apple's hoping to grow it double double service revenue by 2020 and it looks like it's on track to do that um, and services
2: so, is,
1: um, iTunes, things like Apple yeah, Pay. iTunes, Apple Music, Apple Pay, app sales, all of that, that's not and that's hardware. that's likely to grow in the next quarter as well, or at the beginning of next year because everyone's expecting Apple to launch its sort of Netflix, of
3: course Apple t- TV t- thing. yeah.
1: So I might talk about that in a future podcast, but um, yeah, basically Apple has plans really to take on Netflix. We think yeah. with their own sort of service. So, you know... And they signed
2: one big deal, didn't they? I can't remember who it was, but They've got was... Whippy
1: Goldberg. No, not Whippy Goldberg. It's <laughs> Whippy. Um, they, um... I've...
2: Uh, oh. I think there was a Jennifer Aniston show. Oprah Winfrey, that's who I'm
1: thinking of. <laughs>
2: um, But yeah, there was like a Jennifer Aniston show, yep, which I yep. think Netflix was bidding for, and they got outbid by yeah, Apple, and that was the yeah. first time they'd been beaten to a show they've by They've got Apple. so
1: much stuff, and they can't kind of keep vaps on it. Everyone yeah. knows about the stuff that's coming up, so... Yeah, um, and then obviously you know you've got they reported iPad sales, they reported Mac sales. They're down. They're always down. Yeah. Um, but then that's not that surprising because this time last year they'd announced new iPad Pros, they'd announced new Macs, not just MacBook Pros, which came out at the end of the quarter, but this time last year in June they they'd done MacBook Pros, iMacs, MacBooks, so. The, comp- the quarters aren't comparable in no, that sense. No, and I think that's, that
2: reflects it. the industry as well. I don't yeah. think that there's any um, tablet or uh, laptop computer maker that is currently smashing their growth targets. So I think that reflects sort of a slowdown in the industry.
1: But I do think it means that next quarter we could be reporting an increase in Mac sales or an increase in um, iPad sales year on year because those are likely iPads. to launch in September. Yeah. And, you know, it's... It just shows you that you can't sort of anyone who looks at those figures and says oh they're they're down you've got to see the bigger picture so
3: yeah apple's detractors have been saying that for since the iphone first came out right like as soon as the sales slowed a little bit oh this is the moment where it's going to peak i I count myself as one of those people (laughs) yeah because i have uh, issues with apple but yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) but um it just hasn't at all and I keep wondering, like, is it is it ever going to peak? There must be some sort of running out point for their growth, yeah,
2: right? I read, it. Very smart about it. I read an analyst blog post the other day, and he was a former Apple stock owner, and he mm. offloaded his stock about a year ago, which I think is probably a mistake. Um, mm. and he was talking about what a lot of uh, detractors talk about, with it, this innovation um, slump that they've had since the iPhone. Uh, but the the problem is the iPhone is such a successful product that it doesn't matter, and also the way that they seem to be plugging that gap is with the software and the services. And the stat that I read was like only one in two Apple users currently use an Apple service. You can easily bump that, like, by sort of getting more people onto the T V or the Apple Music or into into the App Store and, and just bump that number up. I
1: think, you know, there's a there's a lot there is still a lot of innovation at Apple, although recently they can be a bit lax about fully checking things before they go out but um you know they they have got the products there so for example the apple tv has been around for ages it used to be a hobby product and all yeah. of that but it's it's there yeah. but sometimes you get this feeling like with the iphone like with the ipad that apple doesn't try to be the first with anything they just try it they come in later and they fix the problems yeah. and maybe that's what will happen? Or maybe there'll be something else that's just not happened yet that will be the next iPhone.
2: Yeah, maybe it'll be the car. That...
1: <laughs> it could be the car um, or whatever they're no, doing in that in that respect.
2: Exactly. There, there, there's there's probably something in the works. But yeah, I thought it was interesting what you said earlier about the sort of the Facebook and Amazon and things like that. So mm. of the Fang stocks, it yeah. seems like the, the A, the Apple is, is the one. Although that's... the
1: A is supposed to be Amazon, but oh, a it? lot of people put two A's in Fang yeah, to make it Apple it. as well.
2: Yeah. Um, well, that's quite a nice
0: segue, actually, that I'm going to latch on to. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-Free Listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com newsadfree. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria algae body oil and Andaria collagen body lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's o s e a malibu.com code GLOW.
2: A couple of weeks ago there was some protests on it was on Prime Day um because of the ongoing controversy over uh, their working practices and their warehouse staff um tamil is something that you take a very keen interest in
3: well so it wasn't protests; as it was a you Euro- uh, an attempt at a europe-wide strike a walkout so, uh, a walk yeah. or slowdowns um so they weren't unified in their demands but workers in spain uh, were most successful with their walkouts the union's uh, some of them reported like over 90% turnout for the strikes, which is high. I mean, they would say that, but you know, yeah. but there, there was a lot of publicity around that at the time, sort of in the middle of last month, because uh, they were charged out by police and, you know, beaten back to work, literally. Um, but there's been signs of uh, coordination between workers in Spain with workers in Germany, France, Poland, and even the Czech Republic as well. Uh, so I think it's really interesting that although they don't share a common set of demands at the moment, most of them have universally similar demands. So something that's been in the news a lot as being poor work, uh, poor paying conditions at these f- warehouses that they call fulfillment centres. Yes. <clears throat> and uh, I mean, on, on uh, I, I saw a headline earlier today that said uh, a worker at one of the Amazon warehouses in America is filming daily what her life is like. She's living in car at the moment yes yeah. and then going to work at amazon and then going back to live in her car because really? she's you know these workers are under like intense pressure to meet quotas and they're monitored at all times and yet they're not being really compensated for the work that they do or the value that they deliver arguably because jeff bezos last month uh his personal wealth hit 150 billion dollars there's a really, really stark contrast between uh, this almost universal experience of poor paying conditions that the people who really make this product Amazon work, yeah. you know, uh, Prime, the the fact that stuff can get sent to you the same or the next day, that's a really impressive like logistics network that's being built by Amazon. But at the moment, it seems to be, uh, Expose after Expose is suggesting that um, the people that are making that happen are severely uh, mistreated. Yeah, the human
2: cost of that is obviously really high. And these are the stories that we always used to hear um, about you know, th- factories in third world mm. countries, mm. but now it's sort of, b- because of Amazon's reach, they seem to do this in every geography they're in and, and, and manage to get away with it. Seemingly. We're
1: literally seeing it on our own doorsteps, aren't we?
2: Yeah.
3: I think it's really interesting to contrast uh, what's been... In the news about amazon with the kind of gig economy protests that have been going on with delivery and uber and such because those sort of zero hours gig economy workers you do see the person who's giving you that service mm-hmm. and also for example the delivery drivers um went on, on strike quite famously the last year or the year before uh, but the way they started organising together was the creators of the Deliveroo app didn't think that all these freelance, low-paid workers going to congregate at a certain point would start talking about their paying yeah. conditions. And Whereas Amazon, is quite a different thing because you don't ever see the people working in these fulfilment centres. You see the app and then you see the products on your doorstep, but you don't see the people who are under like intense pressure to make that happen.
2: And what's Amazon's kind of stock response to this? Like, does does Bezos say anything about it? Do Amazon spokespeople say anything about it, or do they just try to present it as a as an ongoing issue that they're doing something about? Uh,
3: you know, I, I wish that I had a response from Amazon about the recent strikes up on my phone, ready to <laughs> reel it off to you. But they did send me a response, but it was the what I would characterize as the typical sort of corporate non-answer boilerplate. Yeah. What they have done is they've arranged uh, fulfillment center tours of factories and warehouses in the UK that you can book to go on. Um, I'm quite intrigued to go on one, see what that's like. I imagine, I haven't been on one, so I can't say, but I imagine it will be a sanitized version of the the stories that you hear. Because again, it's near universal. You know, workers in Spain, workers in Germany, France, the UK, uh, it's like zero hours, brutal work. And automated as well. A lot of the management is automated. So they get quotas from a little device that Ugh. tells them what they have to meet. And they're pushed and pushed and pushed. And often people get in, in, injured on the job. I've read reports of people who say they felt they had to come back to work at Amazon uh, quickly after hurting their back quite severely or their leg because it was their only source of employment. Um, well, it's like... But doing that just and meeting those extra quotas like, exacerbates health conditions
2: yeah there's a lot of like when you when you hear about all the issues at uber you often get these stories from uber drivers coming out where they're, they're kind of hostage to the job like they know that it's not great conditions and they know they're not treated particularly well but the income stream that they get there is their main source of income so they have to if they lose that then they've got to then scramble around and find another way to to replace that income so they although they would obviously like change they definitely can't do anything too drastic because they they can't risk losing that which is got they got them over a barrel. are they
1: on the kind of contracts where they're not paid when they're off work
2: yeah they're zero mm. hour on it. Yeah. Mm. um but they i think the um the second court date that uber have in october so they just had their first court date about whether they can continue to operate in london which they got um they got their license renewed for 18 months but their second court date in october is about those contracts and I think it very much focuses on the fact that their CEO, Dara Shahi has said that they're going to review giving them some normal employee benefits mm-hmm. like paid leave, uh, sickness leave and things like mm-hmm. that. So uh, time will tell on that one, but it's definitely it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that court case and whether they get forced to, to bring those sort of benefits to their employees. Absolutely. Um, so
3: this, this strike a couple of weeks ago, got me talking to this uh, guy from an organisation called Make Amazon Pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, let me try and pronounce his name properly, uh, surname properly, Malamatinas, John Malimatinas, nice. uh who is the press spokesperson for Make Amazon Pay, a relatively new organisation. And what they are trying to do is tie the, first of all, to unify these uh, struggles between different countries, because I think where the traditional unions have fallen down is that they are, often operate on a national basis whereas all the companies are international and flexible with their capital you know they can move production around um but with something like amazon they can't they have to rely on logistics to make it work so they're trying to unify that and uh they want to tie it to wider social movements because they think that amazon is going to be even more present in our day-to-day lives in the next say five to ten years so it's a good opportunity right now to try and like force amazon into the public eye and be like somewhat accountable for the practices that go on there.
2: Yeah, and th- there's no way to disagree with the the assertion that Amazon is only become going to become a more prevalent part of our lives. I think I saw um, when their results came out that um, one in two consumer purchases in the whole of America now is um, goes through Amazon, and that's any consumer purchase. Uh, that includes, you know, if you go to Walmart or if you go to the Apple store. So that's a huge amount, you know, 50% and then i also saw um that they've just signed their first public uh, procurement deal in the uk with um with indirectly with yorkshire county council to provide um social centers uh, emergency services and schools with things like everything from stationery to um, sanitary products and it was a six possibly a 600 million pound deal but the interesting thing there is that's a, a public contract so does that mean that we can start bringing some sort of public level scrutiny I mean... Uh, <laughs> we don't know the answer.
3: We don't know the answer. All I all I do know, uh, or can give you in terms of numbers, is last year Amazon paid £15 million pounds in tax on European revenues of £19.5 billion. Yeah. So the tax they did pay is less than what that <laughs> procurement contract would be worth, potentially. Oh yeah, like comfortably. Was, like, mind-blowing. Um, but yeah, that's a really great point. I can't remember exactly what they were going to provide but yeah definitely like the sort of space that the sort of stuff you could find in staples I'm not yeah. sure about what else but I mean they're what they're running pilots with grocery stores in the states as well
2: now yeah they bought Whole Foods um they're they're doing pharmacy deliveries now um through a company I think they bought through acquisition and also the um in terms of the uh, procurement deal in the UK that actually goes through another Amazon subsidiary which is called Amazon Business and it's just a procurement portal um, so that is like a big customer win for them because it's built for that sort of thing where basically traditional procurement systems are hideously cumbersome and very difficult to use and that's why big companies have people that do procurement because they deal with that stuff but if you can make that a lot easier and more straightforward for whoever runs supplies at the hospital or whatever to just log on and order it like an Amazon order that, that would be pretty transformational and, that again is just another big win for amazon so you can see them just growing and growing and growing
3: that's really interesting i think that's one way like one of the kind of less visible ways that amazon might be yeah sort of integrated into our lives i mean they're already winning contracts like famously with the police and i think ice in in america on their cloud computing side yeah yeah and uh the cia they've built a special version of AWS for the three letter agencies to use in America. So that's like not very visible, but it does show them sort of burrowing their way into the way our societies are run like top to bottom. Really. Yeah. I mean the AWS
2: cloud computing division is like a whole separate kettle of fish, yeah. but the amount of reach and like impact that has is, is like yeah, the, the underside of it. It's not the visible, you know, getting products delivered side, but it's, it's equally important.
3: Yeah and I mean there's been speculation has not there about like drone deliveries from Amazon always yeah and, and like who knows if that could come to be but I don't think it's that far-fetched to imagine Amazon delivery units whatever they might be some kind of automated way to deliver things happening out in our public spaces and in our cities more and more in the future as well so I think we're it's just I think the guy's got a point about how this seems to just be the start logistical workers coming together and sort of figuring out how they can take on the Silicon Valley giants like Amazon because further down the line there are signs that we're going to see much much more of them whether we like it or not because that that'll be convenient. Yeah (laughs) and I think that's
2: always been the great irony of the Uber especially the Uber and the Amazon debates is that not only do they treat their workers particularly badly but they're also extremely public in their um, assertions and desires to replace those workers mm-hmm. with robots and self-driving cars and <laughs> drones um, so it really is uh, a shit sandwich for anyone that works for those companies in terms of yeah we're not going to really pay you very well now but we also really want to replace you in the future
3: but I think um, th- this this guy I was speaking to didn't put it in quite such bleak terms to me <laughs> he, he said we, we can have some hope that we, you know we can find new ways of challenging these uh you know big five silicon valley companies amazon only being one of them and absolutely they they've made no um attempts to cover up the fact that they want to automate everything yeah. possibly but they're always going to depend on people to some point probably yeah in the next 50 years at least probably um well yeah you
2: look at musk at tesla said he tried to automate everything didn't he and then he came out the other day saying he needs to hire more people because the machines keep breaking while he's
3: (laughs) putting his cars together in a big tent yes yeah Yeah. um so yeah and while you need to depend on those people if you're not paying them properly or treating them well then they are gonna want to organize eventually and challenge you and get better paying conditions and i hope they can soon
2: great Um, I'm gonna take a little break, and then I'm gonna come back and talk about uh, another of the big fan companies, Google. Great. So, um, yeah, as I said at the top of the show, um, I just got back from San Francisco. Uh, I got to go to Google Cloud, um, which is Google's uh, AWS. Basically, basically, it's their Google Cloud division. Uh, I got to go to their big annual uh, business conference. So it's a bit different to Google I/O, which is their sort of developer conference. This is more like trying to um show off in front of their like cloud computing customers um of which uh recently spotify became one so spotify um are like their big name customer now in terms of they took all of their uh services off their own servers and have bunged it all onto google now um instead of going with microsoft or going with aws uh so they are very much the third in that big three, but they're, they're they're making some sort of good strides to compete with the the big two cloud computing companies. Um, I'm going to try and rattle through uh, kind of what I saw there, but like they they announced a lot of things. A lot of it's extremely techy and niche, um, the sort of stuff Tamlan that you write about. So there was a lot of Kubernetes and DevOps uh, stuff, and and a lot of uh, machine learning, and they've brought out a new version of their tensor processing unit which is their it's the basically the computer chips that they make themselves for machine learning um which have proved pretty popular um but overall the the kind of strategy of google cloud sort came through this year in terms of the the way they're going to try and compete with the other big two players and and their approach is quite sensible it's not they're not particularly ambitious in in a weird way. They basically know that all of their major customers are going to use Amazon and they're going to use Microsoft, probably. So they're trying to sort of set themselves as a third player in that market. So what they do is quite specifically they focus on um, machine learning and, and AI. So they they say you know we're Google. We've always been excellent at those sort of things so we can bring that ability to you like off the shelf so they did tensorflow they've got this thing called auto ml which are these kind of pre-built machine learning um uh like packages for natural language processing translation and image recognition um and then the other thing that they do is they're very they admit that everyone is going to be multi-cloud so their idea is just to make it easier for people to do that so it's like if you want to like hsbc for example basically run all their applications on aws but they do a lot of their data work um and their customer like analytics and stuff through google and making that all work kind of together is one thing that google are quite good at doing and that's where things like kubernetes and this new thing that they brought out this year called istio comes in uh so that's their kind of overarching strategy it sounds
3: like a really sensible play from my point of view who am I right? but but, (laughs) we look at this stuff but just in in terms of if we are going to believe the hype about machine learning and artificial intelligence and Google is demonstrably an enormous leader in that Mm -hmm. then surely even if they're just being a challenger third player right now and saying "Okay, okay we'll work with you guys now as that kind of explodes then surely Google's market share might incrementally increase as well yeah, and
2: when I when I spoke to customers and I, I spoke to quite a few while I was out there, the I when I asked them, you know, what was it about Google that interested you and it was always data and machine learning um and and often Kubernetes because most developers use Kubernetes and, and that came out of Google. Uh, obviously it runs with everything, but they kind of promote that it works best with Google as they would. But um on the like Data side of things, like one of their most popular products is something called BigQuery, and it's just a, a massive cloud data warehouse where you can put everything in one place. But people, like everyone I spoke to, were like glowing about this piece of technology. If you're going to try and run machine learning, you need to have a load of data. This is one place where you can put it, and it seems to work. So they're really trying to work on that. And what they announced this year was that they've brought this thing in called BigQuery ML, where you can just run those algorithms directly in there. You don't have to stuff out and bring stuff back in and they're just trying to make it easier and easier to consume those sort of services
3: so what were some of the interesting uses
2: you saw for it yeah so from from a lot a lot of it's sort of in pilot um but hsbc brought two of theirs into production this year um and one is just for uh which is this quite ironic if you know about hsbc over the last 10 years but they're using Um, machine learning to cut down on anti well to do anti-money laundering analytics so to try and spot examples of money laundering going on in their payments network Um, the irony there is that in 2012 they got I think a record fine for money laundering um, for the Mexican cartels Mm. Uh, so it's obviously sort of a board level priority to try and cut that down Um, and the interesting part is that they've seen machine learning as a as a way to do that it's very it's traditionally very good at looking through huge amounts of data and spotting um, odd behaviours. So it's always been good for fraud, and and now they seem to be applying it for money laundering. Um, They put that into production early this year. Um, They're also doing something which I still don't understand. They're doing um, country-by-country liquidity analysis. Apparently that normally takes about a week to put together from an analyst. They can now do that in like a couple of days um, using machine learning. So for them, that's probably a, a massive win.
1: So it's not just the Amazon workers who will be out of jobs Eventually
2: no it'll be analysts. Be the analysts yeah bless them uh, on the more accessible side of things um, they did announce a lot of stuff uh, for G Suite so we're a G, we're a G Suite um, shop over here at IDG um, so we use Gmail and Google Docs and Google Sheets um, again everything that they're announcing here is, is AI focused as per usual Um, so in Google Hangouts Chat which is their version of Slack um, they're bringing in sort of auto um, auto fill for messages auto replies so apparently it learns over time how you like to communicate with certain people and it'll auto fill your replies in it's not something I use (laughs) but apparently people use it on Gmail all the time for for replying to Gmail messages so they brought that in and they're also bringing in voice um, interactions into uh, Hangouts Chat as well so you can be like um, set up a meeting with this person and it'll like Alexa it'll kick off that workflow for you so are well, doing something
3: with grammar as well don't they, yeah they?
2: so they're using their translation service actually they've kind of retrofitted that to bring a grammar correction tool into Google Docs I think it's in beta at the moment but yeah you'll be <laughs> able to sort of flick it on and it'll um, check for I think it's just in English to start with but it'll check for grammar
1: but it'll be American reckon, English yeah. okay. it will be
2: American <laughs> English um I think Christina is one of our colleagues, Christina uses a American gram- a Grammarly. Grammarly, yeah. Yeah. And oh, yeah, yeah, it pulls up a lot of odd pieces of grammar. That's it put commas everywhere. That's it, gram- to put commas absolutely yeah. everywhere. That's Grammarly out of business, then, is it? Well, <laughs> yeah, they're definitely in a bit of trouble because is, that is hot competition. And that is, you know, built into one of the most popular document applications in the world in Google Docs. I don't need to download, download an extension, it's just no, there. No, it's just there. Yeah um basically expect to see more of this stuff sort of mm. coming through um and the work they've done in translation has been sort of objectively impressive so it's it's probably gonna be pretty decent once they um sort of go about releasing it uh, the other thing is that the new gmail um so i don't know if anyone has switched over their personal account but there's mm. a new look gmail it looks and feels completely different that's now available on g suite if your admin wants to turn it on um i'm not going to ask our admin over here to turn it on because it would probably take me three days to get that sorted. Um, oh, there was one more thing, um, which was actually quite interesting. So, they've, I don't know if you remember, but from Google I.O., there was a big controversy because they released this new um, app where uh, they can uh, replicate human conversation on the phone. Do you remember yeah. this? It was called Google Duplex. Yeah. So, um, Sundar Pichai was up on stage and basically he rung up a restaurant. <laughs> And the, the Google AI on the other end of the line said, oh, when would you like to make a reservation? And basically took the reservation. The controversy at the time was that when the AI picked up the phone, it didn't present itself as a robot. It just presented itself as like someone that would pick up the phone at a restaurant. What I found interesting was they showed off this new technology at Google Next, um, which is basically the same, although I asked them and they said it's different. Um, <laughs> so it's not branded the same as Duplex. But they're doing this for the contact center. So instead of when you ring up a customer service and you're having to press one to go to this department or two, they've created an AI application which asks you what you're there for. And then it will natural language process that and then it will send you on to the right person. Uh, But what was interesting was when they presented it up on stage, the first thing it said was, hi, I'm a robot basically, Uh, how can I help you today? So they've definitely taken that feedback on board um and the other thing that they were obviously very keen on when they were presenting this piece of technology was to say that this isn't going to replace human contact (laughs) center workers
3: my first thought on it is that call centers are Kafkaesque enough as it is without having an AI gatekeep your call yeah
2: Yeah. so that is the way forward here Mm. um but they were saying you know this is only going to cut down on something which is already automated but make it less painful which is that phone tree thing that you have to do when you ring up but in my mind it this is only going to improve this technology to the point where it could probably service most requests. So mm. if I did work in a contact centre, I would be a little bit concerned. Mm. What about you?
3: Uh, I worked in one for a while. Well, call centre, right? Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I contact centre is the American phrase.
3: I had, I had a lot of concerns whilst working there. Yeah. <clears throat> most of my colleagues did. Um, I'd. Well, I don't know. It goes back to precarity of work, doesn't it? Like, I know... <clears throat> A lot of youth employment is call centers in this country, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, also, I remember my time there very well, and I would have welcomed being automated out of existence. Fine.
2: Yeah, I, it's not a long-term career option for many, is it? So potentially,
3: I guess, but it wasn't
2: wasn't for me. <laughs> um So there, that was it. That was it for Google Cloud Next, and I think that's it for this week's show. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about. All the hottest tech topics. Um, I failed in my one mission for this podcast, which was to not mention Elon Musk, but I managed to squeeze him in there mm-hmm. at some point. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.
0: UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news ad free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership.